0: Consistency is key to successful hiring. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Consistency is key. We've heard this before. Today, we're going to apply it to our hiring processes and consider new ways to optimize the systems that we have in place to produce great recruiting experiences. Amy Oviedo has spent many years in recruiting and a few years ago started her own company called Recruiting Experiences to take all she's learned about how to create meaningful win-win connections between employers and job candidates and help more companies win in their talent acquisition efforts. And she believes that consistency and systems are really the standout. We're going to dig in and learn from Amy today on what they're doing behind the curtain at Recruiting Experiences. So let's jump over with Amy now. Amy Oviedo, welcome to Gut Plus Science. This has been a long time coming and all in perfect timing. We landed on a message that you're passionate for leaders to hear, especially those that are working closely to the hiring function, which is what you and your business do. Consistency is key to successful hiring. Let's talk about what you've learned, Amy, about what not to do in the hiring process to really lend to a great candidate experience. What has made you so passionate to make this the main message that you want to share on Gut Plus Science? So take it away.
1: For me, I see the biggest issue within recruiting are that recruiters are not trained to do their job. So it is a job that people fall into naturally. Nobody goes to school to be a recruiter. It turns out that people come into the profession and they're kind of winging it. There's really no guidebook. There's no process for them to follow unless they happen to be part of a giant team, like at a Google or Microsoft. But most recruiters are the only recruiter on their team. And they are then kind of left to fend for themselves and figure things out. And because you've gotten a job before, everybody figures like, you know how to manage a process and take care of everything. We also tend to hire recruiters who are bubbly and outgoing. And that's like a skill that you would almost look for in the process. And it turns out 80% of the job is process and structure and standardized communication. And so we're putting people in jobs that they may not naturally be built for. And we have to train those skills into them to help them really deliver that consistency over time. So Amy, share
0: with us some other things that currently in our hiring processes, just with like old
1: school things that are still popular, but really do need to be broken. So similar to how recruiters are not trained in this leadership podcast, right? So you have lots of leaders who become leaders because they were great individual performers and they don't necessarily get all the tools to be successful in their new leadership role. So same thing. We say, oh, you've interviewed people before. You've been interviewed before. So surely you've got this. And we don't provide them with the questions to ask, the standardization around Ask each person the same things along the way. We want to just throw a resume at them, ask them a few questions, and then we end up hiring people who are like us or who feel right. We get a gut instinct that they're a good fit, but we're really not spending time focused on what are the core criteria for this role? What are the three or five things that are going to make someone successful in it? And how do we vet that in the recruiting process? And it starts back with the recruiter doing their screening questions and building those well. And it follows through all the way to that final interview and forget all the changes that we have to deal with in a remote environment. We weren't getting it right before then, but now we're trying to all do it over a screen as well and still get really good outcomes out the other side. Thank you for sharing that. Our message today is
0: around consistency is key. Your message that you're here to share and you highly recommend The power of a uniform process. What is a uniform process? And when you see that
1: really working well, bring that to life. So, for us in recruiting, the beginning is what we would call a hiring intake. If you're the hiring manager, Nikki, you and I are going to sit down and agree to all of the things related to that role. What are the core criteria? What makes someone successful? What are the nice to haves versus must haves? What's the interview process going to look like? How are we going to assess those skills? It's a 30 minute meeting, it's not a huge time commitment, but it is the most important part of the process to make sure that we know how to build the rest of it from there. It tells me where to go source for candidates. It tells me what kind of screening to do for those candidates, and it gives me an insight into all the stakeholders who are gonna be involved in making that great hiring decision, which allows me then to set really good expectations for candidates and make sure that I'm managing both sides of the puzzle. I've always said it would be great rather than being a recruiter, I could sell refrigerators. Refrigerators have no opinion. I sell the refrigerator to you. It shows up at your house, but I'm selling people to other people. So I'm trying to find this match and there's opinions on both sides. And we have to, as recruiters, kind of hone that and make it map back to that original conversation of what are we looking for? Why? What's important? What's motivating them? Why is this the good match? For their skill set and what they're bringing to the career as well and in the end if we're doing all those things well we tend to get a much better match with longer retention and all the things we're looking for as leaders so outcome wise we want the candidates to have a great
0: experience with our company and we want to make great matches we had shared before just some of the things that we're fighting against that are norms and just helping people gain awareness. And when there isn't uniformity, everyone's doing it different. How does that work against us to be able to give a great candidate experience and really make good matches? Like We want to have these good outcomes, but when we don't have the key processes that everybody's using,
1: like what happens? What does that look like? It's kind of chaos. And you end up with 10 different ways to 10 different solutions. There's no consistency in the way that we approach that. So what I've found to work is a lot of checklists. I read this really great book years ago called The Checklist Manifesto. It's by Atul Gawande, and Atul is a surgeon, and he walks through the importance of a checklist in the surgery center. As surgical operations, we all want that to go well. We want it to be consistent. I think we would all agree with that. And in their environment, what I call the care model for recruiting is the C is for checklist. We start out with just a list of things that we're going to do each and every time, and we're going to go top to bottom. But what a tool really talks about in the book is when one person is responsible for that checklist, it's easy to miss something. It's easy to start just always skipping step Q because we can, and nobody's really noticing. But when you have other people around you who are holding you accountable to that, whether it's a manager, the hiring team, even your candidates, somebody who is responsible to make sure you're doing all of those things along the way, you build an environment in which anyone can call anyone else out for it. So in his example, it was nurses. Nurses were empowered to then say, even though, surgeon, you are technically my boss in this environment, I'm going to tell you that we left a sponge behind. We're going to resolve it. And we're going to go back the checklist to make sure that we move our way through. So we want to do the same thing. We want to empower the other recruiters, the hiring team with general agreements of how we're going to do things. So it could be something as simple as telling your candidates, I'm going to follow up with you once a week to let you know where you're at in the process. And if you haven't heard from me by Friday, please pick up the phone and give me a call. And it gives them a chance to hold you accountable to that process. And you are going to mess up sometimes. So it's great to have somebody watching for that and helping you out. So that's the A, accountability. The R is reliability. Do what you say you're going to do. I'm going to call you by Friday. Or I send you an email to say, hey, I don't have any news yet. Let's touch base next week. Just something to keep that process moving along. Because great candidate experiences are nothing more than me telling you what I'm going to do and then me doing it. And then the whole organization backing that up. So if I tell you what our culture is like in my screening interview, the hiring manager should be echoing some of those same themes as they're going through their interview. And it starts to create a picture for this candidate of, is this the kind of place that I want to be. And are these people legit? Are they all singing from the same script? All of those things. So the C for checklist, the A for accountability, the R for reliability, and finally evaluation. A good process is only as good as looking back and seeing if it's working. We measure things like an NPS. So in the recruiter process, we want to do the same thing. We want to look at employee engagement, candidate satisfaction. There's tons of surveys and things you can send straight from your applicant tracking system to help make that process easy. But then we also want to involve the hiring team. We've asked them to help hold us accountable and for them to be accountable to the process. So we want to measure their success as well. What's working for you? How was this process on your side? What can we do to make it easier? What training do you need to help fill the gaps? All those things come together to really create a process that's repeatable. And when you're doing that well, it doesn't really matter what the job is. I think we get really hung up on recruiters being an expert in one field. But if you're following a process similar to sales, it might be a little easier to sell something that you've sold before. But ultimately, the process of selling, the process of recruiting is the same over and over again, whether it's an accountant, an IT engineer, or your office manager, you're going to follow the same basic steps. I love that. I
0: would say that the majority of people don't operate in process. Like I've worked in sales a long time, and you can clearly tell when there's not process for follow-up and follow-through on sales. And so I was thinking on the other side, trying to not be so close to it and hearing what you're saying about the care model. You hear candidates say, I don't even know what's next. Like a process helps them with clarity of what to expect next. You ever hear people say, they're like, I got three different messages from different people this week. There's nothing like holding the glue together and helping a business maximize the investment in their people with this process. Also for the leaders to be able to hold them accountable, like you shared on what each role is. And I think recently I saw you post, it may have been today or yesterday, something about candidates getting ghosted it's just not okay. And if we have a process for this, no one gets overlooked. No one gets ghosted. The reason why they would is because we aren't following our process to say, checklist, this part's done. And then of course, like you said, no chaos. Do you think maybe we should go down the path of the interview experience, speaking to leaders and especially those in the hiring process? What makes for a great interview
1: experience? What have you found? I find that when we're putting our brand first and we're talking about why someone would want to work for our company, those things tend to create a good experience. Obviously, you need that consistency, right? I'm going to call you on Tuesday and actually call you on Tuesday, or you're going to meet with this person on Thursday and then we'll follow up with you by Monday. All those things are really critical and are super important to the process. But at the end of the day, we're selling an opportunity to someone. So if everyone involved in that process, the full hiring team, the peers you might need along the way, obviously your recruiter, your hiring manager, really need to be focused on why would someone want to work here? We think about company brands and marketing all the time, right? Why would you buy my product? At the end of the day, the reason someone will buy your product, is not the same reason they'll come work for you. It's a different environment and completely different set of sales criteria. So we want to make sure people are comfortable talking about that. They know how to talk about it. They know how to sell their brand. And they realize Not every opportunity will be the right fit for every candidate. It's what the process is for, to find out that on one side or the other, this just isn't a match and it's not going to be a great next step for the company or the candidate. And then you can politely move on from that, let people know where they stand. It just had an example happen today. So I wanted to share, we stepped into a new account that we're working as an arm of their recruiting team, and we uncovered several candidates who got left behind. And it was anywhere from a month to two months that they got stuck in the process. There was a change between teams managing it. And I said to the recruiter on my team, I think we should just call a couple of people and see if maybe the system didn't get updated or they really never heard anything. So we made the first call. And sure enough, the person was like, yeah, I just never heard anything. And was so grateful for someone to call to say, actually, that role closed. We're so sorry. We're just cleaning up. We wanted to make sure somebody let you know. That strengthens a brand. That is the kind of thing that person will remember. They would have also remembered they never heard back. And it was an early career professional. So you just lost that person for the next 20 plus years of their career. Or now they say, these people really do care. That's the impression I got initially. There are little things you can do, even if you feel like it's too late, better late than never just to let somebody know where they stand such a great reminder. We all want a relational touch.
0: Like we want to be communicated with and simple things, even if it's not a fit, if we broke down, like, why do people ghost people? It's like, get out of your own way for the conversation you have to have for 30 seconds and provide clarity for someone. just goes a long way. Going back to a great interview experience, you were talking about the power in the recruiter, really understanding the culture and representing the brand well. Bring that to life on what that really looks like. The questions that are being asked or like where this connection, it's just not the right connection. Great person, great company, but just not a good fit. And that recruiter was able to
1: discern it. I'll take it from two angles because one I think happens often early in the process. So typically in an initial screening call, one thing we want to do to help eliminate bias in our conversations is to avoid filling in the gaps for someone. So rather than saying, You aren't available to be in an office at 9 a.m. So we're going to move on from you because I'm assuming you had kids or whatever. Like, I just have an opinion about that. Instead, I can just say, this position requires you to be in the office from 9 to 4 every day. It's not terribly flexible because the nature of the work. Is that something you're comfortable with? Let the candidate say, no, I'm not actually. That doesn't fit my lifestyle. It doesn't work for me. I didn't realize that from reading the job description. All those little kind of things. Same thing, this role requires you to travel once a month. Is that something you're open to? People will tell you if they're not open and let them opt out of the process early. The other piece of this is what I call good, better, best. So just because someone meets all the qualifications for a job and they're open to that travel and the hours work for them and the location is perfect does not mean they're the best candidate for the position. They may be qualified for it, but there could be another candidate who's better qualified those better qualifications might look like this person's worked in a similar team environment and that will work well in our team or they've been a part of an agile development team before and that's a really critical part of our development process. It's not necessarily a qualification for the role, but it's a nice to have something that would really put one candidate ahead of another. So I do think recruiters have that unique subjectivity to their role to say this person's a good candidate, this one's a little bit better, but these handful are the best. Those are the ones I'm going to move forward in the process. So as a job seeker, that can be really frustrating. You apply to a bunch of jobs that you look perfect for on paper, but there's still somebody who was a better or a best fit for it and you don't move forward. It's disappointing, but you'd rather know and move on to the right opportunity because there is a right match for everybody. I love your tip around the questions, like
0: eliminating bias and assumptions. That's so powerful. Does your team use any tools that you would just like to share that you're a big fan of in the process of getting to know candidates?
1: We use a lot of old school communication. I really believe in getting on the phone with someone, jumping on a Zoom call, and just having a conversation. It is the easiest way to see if there's going to be a match toward that better and best candidate fit for a particular role. There's tons of AI tools and things you could use to sort through candidates on the front end or to do heavy outreach to get candidates into your funnel, talk to people, ask the right questions, really listen and evaluate that information, and then let the process manage them through. Let the process weed out the things that maybe you missed in that initial 30-minute call. But you're also going to have some things you can use along the way. People love to share their motivations. Why are they looking? And those things come in handy when you get to the offer negotiation phase. And if you skipped those steps of really understanding what's important to them in their next role, it's going to be harder. You end up negotiating just on compensation. And that's typically not the only factor for people. It might be an important one, but it's not the only reason people take a new job. To
0: know why is someone looking, that's just a great question to be able to understand that answer. I'm curious if you had any other favorite questions. It helps to build a bond and really understand someone. Any top
1: of the list favorite questions to share? I typically ask, what do you do to keep yourself up to date? What do you love to read in your industry? Those types of things. So if I ask you, what do you do to keep yourself up to date? And people say, oh, I listen to podcasts. I just follow up with, what's your favorite one? And if they have one, that's a really good sign, right? They're actually interested in their field. They're doing things to advance their skill set. If they don't, could be one of those signs that maybe they're not the best fit. They're not as engaged with their industry as they are professing.
0: I love the follow-up question tip. That's great. So Amy, how do we keep top talent opportunities engaged through the interview process? Like what are your best practices there?
1: Best practice is constant communication. So learning how people communicate best, whether that's text, email, phone call, and meeting them where they are. That's a pretty simple thing that you can do. If somebody's a texter, even though it's maybe not your preferred channel, that's a good way to engage them and make sure you're going to be able to keep them in the process. Within our team, we use a three-day rule. So every three days, you're going to get something from our team to know that you're still in the process, you're still moving along. And when we know for sure that three days, we're not going to have any news, we just extend that timeline, but we let people know. Otherwise, once they're engaged into the process, it's always every three days touching base in some way. I love the
0: constant communication. And We've started to do this in our onboarding of new clients at my company, People Forward Network, to ask them their preferred way of communicating. Because we'd get in this place where it's like, I've sent this one person five emails and haven't heard anything back. And I've learned even to go deeper where one of my clients said, if you could text me, that would be amazing. Now we audio text back and forth and it just flows. So there's so much power in understanding like how someone wants to be communicated with and leaning into that. And then I love your tip on constant communication and the three-day rule. Tell us about data, metrics, numbers that you use to keep your eye on the pulse during the hiring process and just keeping that uniformity, shed some light on how you use data and metrics to help the
1: process. I measure everything through a candidate funnel. So imagine your traditional sales funnel, top to bottom, you're putting all your candidates, applicants, people you've outreached to, everything in the top. And then we're measuring where they fall out along the way. A good applicant tracking system is going to do that for you and show you pretty clearly you're losing everybody at assessment phase. What's going on with the assessment? Why aren't people completing that? So then you can use that data to back up and look at what's not working in your process and make some recommendations to the hiring team on how to fix that. But I find that to be the easiest data to get your hands on. And then, as I mentioned, just evaluating what's working at the end, asking candidates, How was your process? Did you feel You had enough information to make a decision. Your new hires are the perfect folks to go to and find out what didn't work for them. They won't tell you that the first week, but 90 days in, they will be more comfortable and they'll be likely to tell you what wasn't a good experience and how you could clean that up for future candidates. So asking the questions and taking some eval work from both your hiring teams and your candidates can go a long way. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Before we hop over to our lightning round, where we'll get to learn a little bit more about the personal side of you, I'd love to hear recruiting experiences. That's your company. You're the CEO and founder. Just to make sure that our listeners know, I mean, this is your world, recruiting. Maybe just share the niche area that you guys serve, the why behind what you're doing, just before we hop over. I don't want to skip over that because this is obviously your expertise area. So tell us about recruiting experiences.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I opened recruiting experiences in May of 2021. Prior to that, I spent a full career in internal HR teams working primarily as an internal recruiter for over 20 years. And ultimately, what I saw was a big disconnect between internal recruiting teams and external recruiting firms. There has always been a combative relationship between the two. And I had been on the end of that. Every time I came in as a director of talent, my first job was get these agencies out. We're spending too much money But I really felt there was a huge gap needed to help these internal teams fulfill their surge needs. There's a time when you cannot go hire more internal recruiters, which is always going to be a better candidate experience. But when you just need that fractional help to get you through a busy season, or you need external eyes to look at something and say, your process is broken here. Have you considered these other options? Those were the gaps that we were hoping to fill. We've been really successful with that. We primarily serve the technical industry, but we work industry agnostic across multiple industries and really specialize in technical sales, product, and marketing roles. And then we do consulting on training your recruiters, as well as providing some of that assessment and consulting work to look at what's really working in your process.
0: Well, I have a number of friends that are raving fans of the work that you do. So definitely wanted to make sure that we plug your opportunity to help our listeners in their recruiting efforts. So thank you so much. We're going to hop over to our lightning round. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor message, and then we'll get to learn a little bit more about some of your favorite things. We'll be right back. Shout out to the Talent Talks podcast by Titus. Show host Jonathan Reynolds, CEO of Titus Talent, brings a unique blend of fun, humor, and passion. Jonathan's vibrant energy shines through the microphone as he engages with every guest live, creating a captivating synergy. Jonathan collaborates with each guest to delve into topics that empower leaders to make optimal hiring and engagement decisions from a people first lens. You gotta give this podcast a try. Talent talks. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Amy Oviedo. And hopping into the lightning round, Amy, we have an ever-growing, very long list of our favorite books. Every guest gets to contribute. So there's like 300 and some on this list right now. What is your favorite book of all time or favorite recent read around leadership and development?
1: I am a book nerd. I have a huge stack of books always on my nightstand. I typically read three books at once, one on my phone, one on Audible, and one on the nightstand. But the one that really changed my life was a book called Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt. And that book walks you through how to find your passion and what you really want to do in the world and how you get your energy from your work. When I read that about 80% of my job at that time was not work I wanted to do. And it really helped me to formulate what I wanted to open in my business and how I could do more of the things I loved every day. I have never heard of this book and I am all about it. I cannot wait to
0: read it. That's awesome. Amy, which activity makes you lose track
1: of time most? For me, it is a walk in the woods. I love the peace and the quiet of just general nature. And I could be out there, I feel like, for days and not really notice what time has passed. It's my favorite.
0: I love that. All right. So when you're 80 years old, what do you think will matter to you
1: most? For me, it is definitely relationships. The relationship I have with my family, with my friends, people who have been able to have an impact on. There's just a lot of peace in having people in your world who are important to you. So I want to keep those relationships strong. That's great. A nice walk in the woods with some of our favorite people. That just sounds
0: lovely. How can listeners best connect with you and recruiting experiences? What are the best ways to connect?
1: So our website has all the information on the company. We're actually launching a new product called Recruit Space that will be for recruiters as well as job seekers to have some accountability in their day-to-day process. So you can find all of that at recruitingexperiences.com. And then LinkedIn is the fastest, easiest way to get me in general. you are talking about meet people where they are. That's where I am all day. Recruiter's life is on LinkedIn.
0: All right. My truth you can act on today around consistency is key to successful hiring practices with Amy. So number one, uniform processes are so important, creating a process that the entire team that touches this one thing, in this case, talent acquisition, is following for a uniform process for their own needs, but also to keep that candidate in just consistent communication and knowing the next steps. Number two, considering the care process. Amy explained care breaks down to creating checklists, having accountability, reliability, and then evaluation on the back end for feedback and we're going to link out to resources that we have for that care process, but an example of a winning process that you might want to adopt. Number three, watch the questions you ask. One side is no assumptions, then provides for very authentic answers. So not positioning a question, but just asking the question direct to get to that outcome is really important. And also asking meaningful questions that just allow you to build a relationship with the candidate. Watch the questions you ask. And number four, Provide constant communication, knowing the best way to communicate with the candidate up front. As Amy shared, they're doing an every three-day touch as a rule, making sure that that communication is meeting what the candidate needs and is on track with being timely. Love it. We'll see you all next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.